the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the lake of fire, the second death. These are images that flooded my adolescent mind alongside real-life stories of pastors in Soviet prisons and mental institutions. This was all alongside the ever-present possibility of a nuclear holocaust. Fast forward to today, we have Russian hackers, disinformation campaigns, fake news, conspiracy theories, and to top it all, a global pandemic. Surely, the stage is set. I'm Paul White, and this is Apocalypse, the Book of Revelation. Join me and my special guest and friend Pete Milner as we explore what God might be saying through this incredible book to us today. Hi everyone, and welcome to the final chapter of the Book of Revelation in our sauntering podcast. And once again, Pete is here. Hello everyone. And Pete, you've done a great job helping us process this incredible book. Well, thank you. You're very kind. I hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs> it's been tough for me too. I mean, I have to say this is probably the fifth time I've kind of taught through it verse by verse or been part of something that's kind of going through it verse by verse. And it's probably, I don't know, the 50th time that I've read it. Yeah. But it still every time pops me with a new sort of sideways shot that I haven't fully anticipated and it's still giving me new stuff just yeah. reading through it with you so yeah I, I'm really Brilliant. I really hope that for everybody it's like that that we're not trying to look like we're the full and final word on it absolutely but that we're just part of the journey <laughs> totally oh well thanks Pete so let's pray Holy Spirit again we ask you to speak to us through this incredible book yeah. through this final chapter of this incredible book we open our hearts to you. We're eager to hear what you've got to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So chapter 22. The, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of a lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Hooray. Come on. What a crescendo. That is awesome, isn't it? Mm. So, I... Pete, we have to... Sorry, I cut you right off there, didn't no, I? No, go ahead. Go ahead. We have to um, hark back to Ezekiel 47, don't we? We this sure do. This is such a almost parallel text, isn't mm. it? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's, it, there's a very important sense in which we must agree i think if we believe the bible tells the truth in in any meaningful sense 
then we have to sort of hold open the possibility that these are just two people who came and saw basically the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are subtle changes, and I don't want to go into all of them kind of one by one because they're mostly very, very sort of small discrepancies which are, you know, particularly meaningful them in the circumstance they're in, I yeah. think, as the writer. But what they're seeing is this beautiful river kind of exuding down from the throne through the city and and, and sort of watering the new world aren't they mm. and this is the sort of source of life and and you've got the tree of life that is there you've got the kind of eternal life and living that we've been promised and you've got all these things like healing and fruit and and growth and light that just tell you that finally the darkness and the sin and the shame, the sin and the consequences of sin are finally done away with mm. forever, won't they? Yeah, I love it. I mean, it is when you read it, you you just can't help feeling refreshed, even just opening chapter 22 and starting reading that. That little first paragraph, you feel refreshed, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of think like, wow, all the <clears throat> marketing campaigns for mineral water and all these different things, they use the same language, don't they? Crystal clear, you know, mm. they love that kind of language. But it's the purity, yeah. the refreshing, lovely... Vitality almost, yeah. yeah. If you imagine the city is made of crystal and, and its water has still got that lovely bright transparent quality mm. and there's no hint of kind of defilement or yeah, anything in it yeah, yeah that's right and then this tree the these trees that grow up along the side of the river um fruitful all year round different kinds of fruit mm. and they are a product which brings healing to the nations and, and, and that makes you kind of wonder doesn't it mm. That in is there going to be one final boom, new heaven, new earth, everything's finished, all the old mourning and everything else and yeah. pain and stuff has gone away. Now nothing will move ever again. Yeah, we're now frozen in time, no more time. Yeah. But this state is kind of like a steady state of perfection Maybe. forever and ever. Or is there a process where the leaves of the trees, the product of this incredible thing that god has done this new heavens and new earth this new new i don't want to say dispensation because we'll get back into the old kind of yeah yeah dispensational thinking but this new new epoch yeah yeah. um is it now where the wounds that people have sustained in the course of this life and the weariness and the brokenness and Mm. suffering and trauma that people have kind of lived through these leaves yeah. are applied to their wounds or some some sort of healing process that yeah goes on is there a, a process yeah oh do you know i absolutely think the second one mm-hmm. and and i've been helped in this by c.s lewis right. who sort of spoke about aslan's country in narnia and he writes about heaven more directly <clears throat> in other places but his idea is that you know if if there is anything like time you know it's almost like the question is pointless in itself isn't it because yeah. the laws of the universe will be suspended i assume but if there is anything like time then the 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 process that's at work at heaven will be everything becoming more like it truly is constantly mm-hmm. and so that we will be as we really are and when we step over that threshold into eternity we'll suddenly be who we really really are with no sin and no shame and yeah. no kind of grotty bits attached to us 
but that we will continue to grow and thrive. And I think that that kind of um, interpretation is is merited by the words because it's all about growth and living and light and, gr- and yeah. vitality, isn't it? It would be wrong for us to assume that it would be static and inert somehow. You and see even I mean? this idea that the tree bears twelve different kinds of fruit yeah. throughout season by season seasons, by season, you kind of think, well, there wouldn't be seasons if there wasn't some yeah. concept of things moving. I guess time relates to something moving forwards, doesn't it? Yeah. And and developing and mm. and I suppose you know you've got that sense that it isn't just a frozen thing. If you if you took a snapshot of it at one mm. point, it would be identical later yeah. on. But there's something. There is a progression. I love what where it says in Isaiah. We read it, don't we, every Christmas of the increase of His government and mm. peace. There shall be no end. Yes. So, so even this is not the limited end of of everything. Is it's it? like ever expanding, isn't mm. it? And you, yeah. I mean, yeah. the mind has to boggle at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, C.S. Yeah. Lewis again was was able to imagine it this way. He said that like in the end when the world finally is folded up and rolled up and and sort of done away with in its present form it'll be like a book in a library full of books of all the things that god will do Mm. and you know it'll be an important book we'll all refer to it (laughs) because how great is his wondrous works and stuff but he said that the only way to properly think about this reality that john's describing is to say that whatever can be known about God right here and now in this world and everything that is demonstrated about him through what has been made, you you should never imagine that that's all he is. Wow. You know, yeah. Whatever you've conceived of him, Very however good. great and vast, it's like there's still an ocean. You know, John himself says at the end of his gospel, doesn't he? If everything yes. was written about Jesus that was the case, then you'd run out of books in the world. Yeah. And I can't help thinking of it like this. You know, he's using particular language to sort of join himself to Ezekiel mm. and the, the kind of heavenly language that's so kind of I don't know whether it's superlative but it's just so rich isn't it yeah he's doing that to show you that far more than just trees and water and thrones and a city we're talking about something that's going to continue I don't know whether it's exponentially growing and becoming mm. more true constantly which gives me great encouragement about the future yeah, and it, it it helped. Yes, absolutely, Pete. And it and it just ties in with what you were saying um, way back, some previous session about the nations actually belonging to Jesus, and mm. and they're part of His ultimate inheritance. Yes, and will be and, there as such. And you can imagine, you know, I, 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 I even as we're talking, I'm thinking of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, mm. and you've got this kind of token representative group of humanity, 12 guys with yeah. Jesus there on his knees in front of them, washing their feet. And to me, Pete, I just get, I'm, I'm moved even thinking about it, mm. about the nations coming into this wonderful economy of God's new city and, you know, new regime, new, new order yeah. um, with him there ministering and healing their wounds and mm. loving on the nations that's just a beautiful picture isn't it i think so yeah. and verse four i mean for me that's it the that, whole bible is worth it just for that isn't yeah it? That i would give everything i possess <laughs> just for that one verse <laughs> and they will see his face at last Done. right there we are and that's what i needed <laughs> peter says though you don't see him though you haven't seen him yet mm. you love him and you're filled with this inexpressible joy full yeah. of glory and and it's th- this uh glorious and inexpressible joy and 
and for us who lived with anticipation to see him mm. one day to actually have that finally cert- satisfaction. Yeah, Paul says it too, doesn't he? He yeah. says, you know, we, we're looking through a dark mirror at the moment, yeah. but one day we'll see him face to face and we'll yeah. know him even as we're known by him. And all of that stuff is, is such treasure because the love we have for him is real, yeah. isn't it? Here yeah. on earth, you know, I, I live, I don't live in Iron Age Palestine and the Roman Empire and the Middle East. I, I didn't meet him when he was here. No. Darn. But yeah. I do love him and I have been changed by him and I do yes. feel him working through me and doing things yeah. all the time. And, you know, that love and relationship I have for him does kind of grow and change as we go. And so it, it's like, <laughs> I, I just can't believe that means nothing. Do you know no, what I mean? No, absolutely. Like, I, Absolutely. I, I like lots of literary figures and historical figures and, you know, I enjoy John and Peter and Paul and things in a similar way, but it's just not the same. You know, no. this is the treasure of my heart to see him Absolutely. finally as he is. Absolutely. I love it, Pete. I love it. And then just this thing there, they won't need the light, the light of a lamp or the mm. sun for the Lord God will be their light and he yeah. will, re- and they will reign forever and ever. And they so, sure will. And there's that fulfilment of that that destiny to reign with him is yeah. not just for a thousand years here is forever and ever and ever and so whatever mm. the whatever we are to understand from the the millennium idea year, yeah. chapter 20 yeah now the fulfillment of all of that has come and and yes. the people the the redeemed ones mm. the one who have his name on their foreheads will yeah. reign with him forever and ever and note that that is so much like the plans of God, you know, mm-hmm. that that everything that was true has to keep being true for all eternity. Mm-hmm. And whatever God has decided, whatever he's shown about his nature, it can't be wrong at any point. No. So <laughs> the, whole, the whole kind of wrestling with yeah. nature and with humans all the way through history as we have it, you know, is, is all and ultimately an outworking of things that he is and says that have to come true. Otherwise, yeah. he's the liar, which can't be so. Um, it's like when when we see he creates the world, you know, we're not still in a world only because of sin and death mm. and the problems of evil that we've created or introduced. But he had loads of plans for mm. the world as well as those. And all those still have to come true. It's just that sin and evil have to be put away before all of them can come true. Mm. And I think that the, the, the sort of the great finality this gives us to the picture of creation finally being able to bear everything that he had in his heart in the beginning is what's so precious about it because in the beginning it seems we just couldn't and Hmm. didn't and like what you were saying before about like is heaven a static thing where it's just gonna be like ding done the reason i don't think so is because the first creation wasn't either you know God created the land and the sea and the stars and the fish and the ponies and the humans, but not all the ones of those, you know, they, they've changed a lot since then. Yeah. And it's not only sin and decay that have affected them since then. You mm. know, you and I weren't born then. You know, the, the forests and the trees and the rocks even have changed a great deal since whenever they were first created. Mm. So I think that the plan was always for growth, yeah. for relationship, for kind of that, that beautifully... Um, stimulating element of change and growth but just one that's finally free from sin and corruption and death and evil which i'm very encouraged i love it i mean we could go on couldn't we Mm. and talk about 
whether we get to explore the whole universe and all oh, the rest yeah, of whether it. Whether we can we talk about that and all, <laughs> <laughs> some other day, but fascinating possibilities. Mm. But verse six really brings it back home again. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, verse 7, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Hmm. And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But oh, he John, said, haven't you got it yet? <laughs> he said to me... You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who keep, sorry, your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And then he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy, of, uh, the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Wow. Wow, should we stop there? Sure. Uh, let's let me just ask you something. So, how meritorious or how good is the project to create laws and rules and norms which kind of restrict people's um, ability and willingness and and enthusiasm for perpetrating hideous mayhem? Mm. Do you think of that as being an inherently good? Or, or pointless exercise? Well, I think it is good in that it does provide a degree of shelter from Safety. sort of tyranny and abuse mm. um, in an um, institutionalised kind of way. So there's a general recognition that that is bad. Yeah. Therefore, the law says that is bad. We have punishments, we have courts, etc. Mm. So that, that does provide a sort of reprieve for those who want to just get on and live their lives in, yeah. in an acceptable it, kind of way you know, it, yeah and in an acceptable kind of way is it isn't it because it's yeah. like we know that we all sin and fall short of the glory uh -huh. of god we know that the exercise to try and hold sin back completely is futile but mm. there, there is a sense in me which says that it's not pointless to no. still go after a law that actually constrains wickedness in yeah. some meaningful ways yeah. like let's end slavery you know let's yeah, absolutely let's end child abuse let's get mm -hmm. rid of this kind of stuff um but there are people you know the well-meaning people that that maybe self-identify as something like christian anarchists who think that the whole exercise of states and laws and mm -hmm. stuff is is just pointless and everybody's mm -hmm. just as bad as each other it's just some play pretend more than others but I think that that's misguided because this what what this is saying is that ultimately people that are going to be doing evil are still going to do it. And mm. the filthy will still be filthy and the righteous will still do what is right and the holy will still be holy, even in a complete state of flux, you know, even in a chaos environment. But as the church, that should help us in our evangelism, because when we share the good news, we're not just trying to convince people to be slightly better. Absolutely. Boys, are we? No, we're trying to see a miracle happen where somebody who was an evildoer now looks at themselves and says, I'm not an evildoer. Yeah. I am a child of God. You know, I am. Yeah. I'm a righteous saint. I'm one of this great multitude yeah. celebrating. So we want a miracle to take place where people are brought to life in the mm -hmm. spirit. And I think that's kind of what I see when it says, let the filthy still be filthy, but the righteous still do what's right. It's like, don't don't think that 
the that that you can just slightly change everyone's behavior and mm-hmm. generally improve the world yeah. and and you know do god that favor because that's not it is a goal, humanistic is argument however yeah. it's very prevalent isn't it yeah, that actually sure. we're generally evolving to be better people sure sure but this you know this is to do with the identity that comes from habitual pursuit of evil a way of life isn't yeah, it and so and there comes a point it seems where it's not possible to to change you know you you know it's almost like resignation isn't it we've mm. talked about it before where the heart becomes too hard and you become set and yeah there's just no way in to sort of reform the behavior slightly yeah. it's like either a miracle happens or it won't and yeah that's kind of what the situation is but again we've got that sense there with jesus mm. saying i'm coming soon and then this real blessing, clear blessing. He says, blessed is the the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. Mm. And so Jesus himself holds this book in high regard. Yeah. And I think that's another incredibly good incentive for us to look at it and allow ourselves, humble ourselves mm. to approach it and say, God, Speak yeah. to me through it. It can't mean nothing and yeah. it can't be not important. Yeah. But it's still really difficult. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so then verse 12, he says, Behold, I'm coming soon. So we're getting that a few times now, aren't yeah. we? Now in over and over and over even, yeah. Repetition. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Mm. Just let's think about... So, Pete, what, what, do we, what do we understand the word recompense to mean? It- That's a... Not a common word, is it? Nowadays? I think recompense is a good one because it's like reward mm-hmm. or just desserts, mm-hmm. but it can mean the good benefit and the bad consequence, the punishment. Sure. So the recompense is like fully what is owed to okay people one way or the other. Like if you've done great, you'll the recompense will be a reward, and if you've belonged to what is hideous, then mm. it will be a, a just judgment in could against it, you. Could it be seen in the through the grid of like a farmer plants cabbages in a field his recompense is cabbages in that field a harvest of cabbages yeah he plants or she plants maize mm-hmm. the recompense when it grows up it's maize. yeah but it, it's it's possibly it. even more like if i gave a farmer a thousand pounds and said plant me something do your farming thing mm-hmm. and at the end we'll split whatever's there okay then but I still want my thousand pounds back, and then sure. all the rest of the profits okay, will split. It. It's a bit like I return. The farmer's done his job, and if he's done a rubbish job, my recompense will be with me, and he'll owe me because he did a terrible job. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if he did a great job, I get it. Yes, very then it's good. like the recompense will be, you know, a great bounty for him sure. and for me, and it will be like the the final reward yeah. for the the nobility that's of helpful. the task. I think that that's the right that's way good. to see it. Yeah. What do you make of this, like, <clears throat> hour is near, time is nigh thing, 20 centuries on? Do you know what? I think since childhood, it's held me in a kind of 
tension, a dr- a, not in a bad way, I think. I don't think it's a bad way. No. In a sort of almost you don't feel like, like fearful and no, frightened but about it so a much. state of heightened vigilance, mm. perhaps. And certainly I grew up very much with this idea that Jesus would come, his day would come like a thief in the night mm. when we weren't necessarily expecting moment. him. We shouldn't live recklessly, carelessly because... And I think there's some, obviously, there's some leverage to get your children to behave if you tell them that kind of stuff, which is the (laughs) the bad side of it. That's the sort of manipulative end of it, isn't it? Yeah, but on the other hand, I think there was a a genuine um, expectation that the the business he's got me involved with Mm. to do with his kingdom is actually important and it is time-sensitive and it requires me to be diligent and thorough whilst I'm here. And there is a possibility at, that at any point he could yeah. arrive. And, you know, I think as I look at the sheer mass and the sea of humanity out there, I, I realise, gosh, you know, so much to do. I have done nothing, really. <laughs> There's so much still to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And to me... A lot of people um, sort of shrink from looking at Revelation in some of the ways that we've looked at it because of the certainty of our expectation that he will return mm-hmm. and really break the rules of physics and the universe course, by doing that's so. that's what's going to happen, isn't it? It sure is. And yeah. that's what I'm absolutely sure of. It's just that <clears throat> I, I am concerned that sometimes a bit like the sort of cower children for he is coming soon you know yeah. the, the frightened kind of obedience that's not yeah. the thing is it that's a unwelcome consequence yeah. of the surety of the belief and i think there's other unwelcome consequences too which is that people out of the certainty of their belief that he is coming soon and that it won't be long and that it can't possibly be much longer mm. often we accidentally import a whole load of other unhelpful things think, into yes, our beliefs and true. We start reading the news and, and looking at our environment and kind of even the people around us with suspicion and hostility mm-hmm. and um, kind of a whole bunch of negative things. Yeah. Anxiety and fear are negative things. They're not helpful. Jesus says, don't be anxious. He's, you know, perfect love drives out fear. We're not supposed to be kind of arming ourselves and getting ready to... Um, just you know defeat everything that jesus commanded us to do by loving our neighbor and forgiving yeah. others who wrong us and loving off our not our lives as well as to shrink from death it's like i don't think that that militant panicky fearful sort of um way that people look at world events is much yeah. of a help actually no no but, i agree but the and nearness of it is is a tricky one isn't it like romans I, 13 was the same wasn't it where he says you know we're nearer now than when we first believed yeah. it's like well okay the passing of five minutes makes me nearer to than when i first believed but i, I think for me Pete, I, I i would line myself up with peter when he talks about living such a life that mm. actually hastens the day of the lord's return so it actually oh, that's something my contribution to <clears throat> to extending his kingdom loving people giving the message of mm. the gospel away at every opportunity i can um actually does in its way haste the day speed up the process mm. and a, a, a little like the thing jesus says in the great commission where he says um the gospel of the kingdom must be preached in every tribe and nation mm. and then the end will come yeah in, in a similar way so it's like if we all yeah. stay put then he's never gonna come back it's yeah. gonna take some people who are full of the Holy Spirit to go to those ends yeah. of the earth and tell everyone 
before we could even have a chance of his I return. Think, so. I think I might have told you about Rick Warren. I was listening to Rick Warren the other day. Oh, and yeah, they, yeah. they did. They've, they've precisely done that. They've gone to every single nation on the face of the earth. They've not just shared the gospel, but they planted churches. And I kind of think, Rick Warren, you are a legend, man. Because mm. that is something I certainly haven't done. I've been to a, <laughs> I've been to a few, but, you know, you know, and, and I, I just take my hat off to people like that with yeah. that capacity and gift to actually execute that mm. and uh, but yeah I, I guess we, that's how I would see it yeah I think that that's the right way to mm. see it because what is our belief about Jesus what is our belief about the future what is our belief and our faith in general well what is it it's if you boiled it all down you'd be left with faith hope and love the greatest of them being love wouldn't you you, mm. you wouldn't be left with panic and fear and anxiety at yeah. all so I think that it's of great importance that we just discover the joy and the yeah. hope that is in our expectation yeah. of the future. That it's not just about everything sliding off, inevitably declining into a hell in a handbasket, mm. but that we look at it with a great expectation of mighty works of God yeah. and global evangelism, revival, yeah. seeing that when Jesus comes, he will find a bride that is truly ready. Absolutely. Because I cannot bear no. the feeling that some have that you know will just shrink and shrink and shrink and i know that there's the warning isn't there that the love of many or possibly most has grown cold and many have shipwrecked their faith and i've lived through people doing that for sure yeah but i have got to be filled with that same hope and love and faith and kindness and generosity and um high regard for jesus that's gonna make me just rubbish at panicking and running yeah fear so yeah. even if things do go wrong and wronger in the future, I think actually I'm not afraid. I, yeah. I can't be. I, I <laughs> just got too much hope in my heart. I think the other thing is, of course, if we're in regular fellowship, in mm. communication with him daily, yes, like hourly, mm. maybe even mo- mo- moment by moment, we're mm. in that place of relational activity and communication with him. Yeah. And then suddenly he's turned up. Mm. Well, it's great. That's the fulfilment of yeah. everything that we've been just doing. It's like, well, I was just praying to you, Jesus, and here you are. You know, I mean, it's not going to be, it's going to be on a much grander scale than that. But mm. it will be a kind of sense of, wow. My heart's desire. This is it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, yeah. Yeah. So, wow. So he says, you know, there's this. There's obviously this separation. It does happen. I don't think we can preach the gospel without acknowledging that there is a separation. Mm, There is a line. Yeah. And there's a time when the door of the ark closes, so to speak, when, you know, and the time, you know, this this life is where we have the opportunity to make the decision to wash our robes so that we get access to the tree of life. And there is that separation. Mm. But verse 18 says, uh, sorry, 16 I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. He sure is. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires to take the water, sorry, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this, of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share 
in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book he who testifies to these things says surely i am coming soon amen come lord jesus the grace of the lord jesus be with all amen Amen. wow we wow I I grew up understanding that this was sort of the final word on the Bible and that because these lines are written, there's no more Bible to be written. Okay. Um, In the end, I don't think that's necessarily mandated by the text, but Mm -hmm. I think it still works as a as a line Mm. in the sand. You know, Revelation is at the end of basically every organization of the Bible people have come up with over the years. It's the latest of the books. Almost certainly is the latest of them. Yeah, definitely Mm. for me. And, um, you know, when he says don't add to the book or take away from the book, he's talking about the book of Revelation. But it is, I think, fair to then multiply that out and say, actually, what we're talking about is the end of Bible. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the end of the activity of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about the end of miracles. No. We're not talking about the end of evangelism, the end of hope, the end of any of the other things that God is up to all this time. It's just that I think it's right to see that this is the end of Bible and Bible chapters. So we're not looking mm-hmm. for any more. So any others that appear that look Bible-ish, we're going to count as spurious. And have sort of slightly bible language. Yeah, 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 people could have a go at it. Joseph <laughs> Smith and whoever wrote the gospel according to Judas or whatever. Yeah. You know, they had a go. But yeah. ultimately, their work is futile because from the very, very early on in the early Christian history, this was recognised as the finality. And mm-hmm. there came along a guy in the early second century called Marcion. And you can read about him if you want. Um, he was very anti-Jewish, and so his belief was that some of the New Testament books, the people, that, the books that people were already regarding as canonical scripture, mm-hmm. the scripture of canon, um, he he said some of them are too Jewish. So Matthew, he didn't like, is too Jewish, and Paul he likes because he he seems to be cross about the Jews in some of his works, yeah. and Luke he likes because Luke's a Gentile and a historian and a doctor, and he's like, oh, good for Luke, but he didn't like John and he didn't like Matthew, and he thought it was too Jewish, but. The, the churches of the time universally basically tore them down and said, look, you can't take books out of the canon yeah. because the Holy Spirit has marked these out. Clearly, we all acknowledge yeah. it by our agreement. He's working, the Holy Spirit's working through our unity and our recognition of these books. And there were questions, you know, sometimes people ask the question, like, should Revelation be in there? Yeah. You know, do we need four Gospels? Um, what about these other letters of Paul that might exist? Should we try and dig them up and add them into mm-hmm. the Bible? And the the sense, even in the early second century, is very, very clear. We're not looking for more Bible books, which is yeah. good. No, that's great, isn't it? And yeah. so Jesus is almost in the style of Paul, but in his own inimitable style. And it, bear in mind, it's such a different type of book than Paul's letters. Yeah, it is. But yeah. he is kind of signing off. Mm. and he's saying i jesus have sent my angel to testify to you about these things the word testify is that same word isn't it martus yeah witness from martus well whatever yeah root yeah and it's the same thing as giving evidence in court so this is a this is like i jesus have sent my angel to give you a sworn affidavit if you like yeah about these things for the churches. And I think that's a really interesting thing because it starts mm. off addressed to the seven, seven churches. churches, but yeah. now this is the churches. Yeah. And there's a sense, even as I read that, I thought, that's interesting, isn't it? Because 
the book of Revelation does tie people up in knots and mm. it's particularly kind of um, difficult for people who've got no kind of Starting spiritual point. heritage or anywhere sure. to start. Yeah, like you say. But within the church, the context of church, God's people together, mm. in the, in, you know, even like you and I now, mm. we're reflecting on these things with the whole perspective of our understanding of the Bible and the yeah. history of Israel and the history yeah. of the gospel, 2,000 years. So we've got a perspective. Mm. And I think this is a context for the book of Revelation that it does well in. And yes. it probably does less well on the kind of, like, Twitter sphere or whatever oh, does else. It you know what I mean? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, but then this, this cry, which he says, you know, it's like, I, would, I mean, again, just Jesus identifying himself as a descendant of David. I love that, mm -hmm. this connection, the human connection thing. But the, verse 17, he says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And the one who hears say, come. Mm. It's like, come on. This is a, this invitation yeah. to Jesus is come. But then there's this other invitation. And, the, what, and it's to the one who's thirsty. Come. Get in here. It's yeah. like, Jesus, come. The spirit and the bride are saying, come. We're all come. coming together. We're Woo. all saying, come, but everybody else come as well all because right, yeah. we don't want you to be left out don't and miss, miss out on this incredible and, party. And I just love that they're not saying, wait and stay and run and hide yeah. and stuff. You know, they're, they're saying, look, chins up, everybody. Here we go. It's going to be good. Yeah. Get in here because it's like <laughs> get in that river and splash around. This yeah. is going to be fun. This is going to be hopeful. This is going to be joyous. This is going to be um, something to <clears throat> kind of provoke your enthusiasm. It's not just going to be about fearful running and hiding under rocks as mm. the ungodly do when the disaster strikes because they're all saying, you know, oh, fall on us, hide us hide from the us. wrath of God. Yeah. Let's not do that. Let's get out there and run. Let's yeah. dance. Let's be free. Let's fill ourselves full of the hope and joy of the Holy Spirit and the eager yeah. expectations of all of the deliverance of God that yeah. is unfolding in history. And like you say, you know, it's it's a privilege to look at this, knowing what Ezekiel wrote and what Daniel wrote mm -hmm. and what Jesus said and what the Old Testament says. And um, that, that puts us in good stead, I think, for finding the treasure that John's yeah. talking about. But if we kind of, if we look at it in the wrong way, it is easy to misconstrue, I think. Yeah, and very and much many so. have done that. And so I think for, for me, I, I suppose the takeaway for it for me is just the magnificence the glory of mm. the risen jesus and just how powerful and how awesome is the environment of heaven yeah and so there is a sense which we are still earthbound at th this time aren't we yeah, for a season and here. we labor and we we battle and we are in a cosmic battle mm. but when we pray who are we praying to mm. i mean this is not about the power of prayer it's about the power of who we're praying to yeah. and when when hebrews talks about you've tasted the power of the age to come i think if we can read this book get so inspired mm. by the power of the age to come and realize that when we pray we're addressing the alpha and the omega in his heavenly court wow how is that going to change the way we live, Pete? That is going to help me, for sure. <laughs> it's going to help me. <laughs> because, you know, I am one of these guys and I love the view of history. And sometimes when you look at Jesus in the Gospels and you think, oh, golly, you know, 
this this sort of barefooted mystic or the you know yeah. the guy with a robe and sandals just sort of saying wise things. He looks like so many other people in history who tried and done that, you know, Gandhi and whoever. Yeah. But Revelation just won't let you keep him like nope. that. He won't Absolutely. let you keep him like the slain lamb who's just like, oh, I feel sorry for him. Or the baby in the manger. Yeah, yeah. little tiny baby Jesus. Isn't he so humble, isn't he? Yes, he is. And also, here's the last word on the thing. A angel standing in the sun, throwing a <laughs> dragon into a fiery furnace, could yeah, not even on. approach the glory of Jesus, the risen one, yeah. seated on the throne, high and lifted up. You know, these great angels are saying, we're just guys like it. We're just bozos next yeah. to you compared to this guy. Yeah. And I think that we so need a much more full recognition of the greatness yeah. of Jesus and the glory of Jesus, yes. because that is what tunes our life and faith so much more sweetly because if we're always worried and we're always a bit mournful about everything it's just like we get kept in this sort of prison of inactivity where he wants to fill us full of power and faith and send us out come on kind of bearing that gospel to the ends of the earth and smelling of heaven now we're talking aren't we come on (laughs) so pete this has been wonderful thank you so much for your investment and time you've given up for this and it's been I a really huge treat for me it. thank you Paul. And, um, thank you everybody listen you guys if you would do us a favor share like it get this podcast listened to by your friends and um share it get it out there because mm. i think the the message of the book of revelation is utterly stunning and it is not all gloom and doom it's not as it's easy to characterise it as... Oh, sure. There are some doomy and gloomy bits, There are. There's some... <laughs> we have had some tough chapters, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we have, yeah. So, Lord Jesus, we humbly honour you, and mm. God, we know that, you, Jesus, you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. And we, again today, submit our hearts and our lives to you. And we just pray for the generation in which we live, Mm. whether it's the one you physically come back to or as another one yet to come. Lord, we cry out to you today that you Mm. will open the eyes of the hearts of the people who live around us and the people in the nations of the earth that they would see you for who you are. fall in love with you Mm. and be adopted into your family and their names written in your book and your name written on their foreheads and standing before you on that final day with relief in their Mm. hearts of having chosen and surrendered to you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. God bless you everyone.